Hi, my name is Elle. And I'm Jared. And you are listening to the New Leaf Project. Thank you for tuning in and hanging out with us again today. This is another special episode of our Movies for Lent podcast experience. Jared, tell us a little bit about the movie this week and kind of get us launched for the conversation. Right. So we're watching the movie Kubo and the Two Strings. When I saw it, this is a kid's movie, everybody. So watch it with your family. That would be a pretty, it'd be a pretty cool experience. There's lots of beautiful storytelling. It's a, it'd be a good experience for the family. But here is the goofy thing about this movie. Okay. I watched it on the weekend with my family. My kids are old, like 20 year old, 17 year old. So it wasn't necessarily like at their level. And, and I only figured this out last night when I was on the Zoom call. It's entirely stop motion animated. I thought it was a computer generated movie. And then at the credits, they show you uh, how they animated one of the scenes. I'm like, oh, that's cool. They animated like they decided in the middle of their CGI thing to animate one whole scene. That seems like a lot of work, but yeah, okay, I get it. That's that's interesting. I go to the thing last night and I realized the entire movie was stop motion. I have to tell you, it is an incredible achievement of cinema, what they did visually and what they accomplished uh, in this. So uh, I'm, I, I just, I'm going to admit my own ignorance. I, I didn't pay attention. <laughs> I didn't notice, but I figured it out last night and I'm really glad that I got to do the movies for Lent because this was, uh, this was uh, probably not one I would have picked uh, for myself, but I'm, I'm really enjoying uh, participating in the conversation. So let's uh, kick it over to Jason and to Adam Klein as they talk about Kubo. Hello, everyone. Welcome to week three of Movies for Lent, conversations at the intersection of faith and film. Um, Jason Tripp here with Adam Klein. Thanks for joining us again this week. And uh, a few months ago, when, when Adam and I started putting our heads together, on a list of movies for this seven week journey. Uh, we wanted to acknowledge the, the variety of genre in film, which of course echoes the diversity of genre in scripture. And the last couple of weeks having focused on a high concept sci-fi film in Arrival, followed by last week's conversation about a dramatic Iranian film with a whole lot of realism in it, a hero. You know, this week we're pivoting to a little more light uh, animated film set in the Far East full of symbolism and surrealism. So this week our theme is Transfiguration, interacting with the film I hope you've had a chance to watch called Kubo and the Two Strings. And we're going to dovetail the film conversation with uh, the conversation on this week's lectionary reading from Luke's Gospel. So before I pass it over to Adam to share this week's reflection, uh, I want to read from Luke's Gospel. So if you need to blink... Do it now. Well, the gospel reading this week is uh, Luke chapter 9, uh, beginning in verse 18, reading through to verse 36. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, Who do the crowds say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. 
And he said, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man, will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. This is the word of the Lord. I'm going to pass it over to Adam now to share uh, some thoughts and reflections on the film and the scripture. All right. Well, yeah, you stole a little bit of my uh, thunder with the opening quote, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to repeat it anyways. Uh, if you must blink, do it now. Pay careful attention to everything you see and hear, no matter how unusual it may seem. Eight days after Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say I am? And Peter replied, the Christ and Messiah. Jesus took Peter, John, and James to the top of a mountain and said nothing, but showed them everything. I can't say for certain, but it feels like the story of the transfiguration sort of stands apart in our Western enlightenment enriched minds. It feels like we can handle miracles and we can accept the resurrection, but this mythical experience atop a mountain feels a little at arm's length, like it's a bit too magical for our mundane Methodism and everyday experience. Thankfully, however, the purpose of this passage is not dependent upon our own cultural norms and narratives, but upon those who have come before us and the Hebraic or Jewish thought forms that are in fact the foundation of our faith. You see, because whatever it is that happened atop that mountain, and apparently whatever it is that the disciples almost slept through, this was the culmination and fulfillment of almost every Jewish festival and religious tradition that Jesus grew up with. From the stories and celebration of Passover in which Moses plays a central part, to the anticipation of Elijah's role and return in God's restoration of all things, to the building of shelters for the festival of Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. Whatever it is that happened atop that mountain, it clearly could only be understood and embraced through the cultural customs and religious traditions 
of the Jewish people, a people who held and hold their elders in high regard and pass along the promises of God, not just through text or script, but originally, and maybe more importantly, through the sacred act of remembrance and oral storytelling. Because as we're told in this film, memories are a powerful thing. And not unlike Peter's actions and mistakes atop that mountain, wanting to capture this miraculous moment with Jesus and Moses and Elijah, wanting to erect three shelters in order to commemorate or quote unquote, keep this experience like a possession or idol or charm. So too, do we discover towards the end of this film that Kubo's grandfather is in fact a divine figure who has refused to put on flesh, who has forsaken the gift of memory so that he might remain immortal. Rather than becoming incarnate for the sake of love, like his daughter, Kubo's mother, the grandfather, this moon king, has desired a disembodied existence. And as a result of this, he has remained separated and segregated from his true story. Thankfully, however, by the end, generations are reconciled and reunited. Memory is restored and together they find fulfillment. And rather than putting their faith in a particular place or spiritual plane, our protagonists start to understand and embrace what we once heard Hanzo say, you are my quest. For in a similar fashion, the apostle Peter in our passage of scripture, he too must fix his eyes on a Messiah and not a mountaintop, on a savior and not a shelter. Or as scholar Ben Witherington puts it, the transfiguration reveals the kingdom by revealing our king. And so if we've been paying attention to everything we've seen and heard, no matter how unusual it might seem, we will know who we are because we can remember and remain with he who is our quest. Amen. Jason, over to you, man. Yeah, thanks, man. That That's good stuff. Um, stuff that we can all sort of hold on to and let percolate as we reflect through the journey of Lent. Um, one thing that, that Adam and I have discussed many times over the years, and we've had countless conversations about movies and scripture, is not only the content on screen that we consume, but the life situation, the setting, and, and the company we keep while watching movies. You know, this week I'm, uh, I'm at my grandmother's house uh, with my family in the Niagara Falls area. And uh, just recently, well, here revisited watching Kubo with my 11-year-old son, Levi. And kind of ironically, the day before watching the film, uh, I was helping my grandmother with some odd jobs around the house and, and discovered that, you know, in the closet in her house where she stores some old vintage board games and other items, a shelf had broken and collapsed under the weight of the boxed contents. And the contents on this shelf that snapped were hundreds of pounds of boxes filled with literal memories, memory boxes of pictures and old slides and a, a slide viewer, which fascinated my children. They had never seen that before. So it was very ironic. I found that the day before I watched Kubo, I found myself fixing a shelf that had literally broken under the weight of memories. And as, as Adam has mentioned already, Kubo is a story with many themes, one of which is the importance and the power of 
memories. You know, we are all people who have been story formed. You know, as people who confess Jesus as Lord, we acknowledge that we're we're caught up in this grand story of God's ongoing quest, uh, the quest which has always been for and with creation as we move towards the culmination of this grand story, which is, of course, new creation. You know, the power of memory and story can't be overstated. Uh, stories, if told and listened to well, can be powerful reminders of, of who we are, where we come from where we are headed in participation with our great questing God. As, as my family and I have been visiting and interacting with my 90-year-old grandmother this week, um, there have been lots of times for storytelling involving many walks down memory lane together. Yeah, it's kind of been bittersweet for me and my family this week. Um, it's bittersweet in noticing that although my grandmother is, is physically and mentally in better condition than most 90-year-olds, you know, she's really starting to slow down physically and mentally. It's kind of like Kubo's grandfather in the film. The memories of herself and her story are, are beginning to slowly fade. And the story of the transfiguration we've heard today in Luke's gospel is a powerful reminder of both our ability to remember and memorialize the stories of old, while it's also reminding us that the stories that form and shape us can at times distract us from prioritizing the voice and story of Jesus' redemption in and around us. You know, Peter's desire to build not one, but three shelters for Jesus, Moses, and Elijah, that's understandable given how he and his contemporaries have been formed by these religious stories and characters of old. And yet in comparison to Jesus, Moses and Elijah are seen, are in a sense, lesser lights. They're subservient to the one who is the light of the world the one in whom we live and move and, and have our being. You know, this is the great challenge that I face, you face, we all face. It's, it's the challenge of continually remembering who we are and who this questing God of love is in the midst of a sea of other voices and sometimes painful memories, which can harm and, and hinder ourselves and others. You know, like Kubo and his mother, our sight and our memory can become blurred and sometimes the weight of past memories can burden or break us like the literal shelf in my grandmother's closet this week. Of course, the, the cure for all of these ailments is for us, as it was for Peter, John and James that day on the mountaintop, to listen to the voice. The voice reminding us of our identity as beloved sons and daughters. Beloved sons and daughters of the God whose quest has always been us and all of creation. And so, you know, our hope and prayer for all of us is that we can capture the beauty and art of, of telling good stories, of, of listening well and acknowledging the stories of others while staying awake and aware of the presence of the one whose quest continues to be for and with us. It's also ironic that, you know, this, this is a week that we're memorializing and venerating another saint. Most people in our culture doing it by wearing green clothing or drinking green beverages, but uh, Tonight, I'm reminded of, of the prayer of, of St. Patrick, a reminder of perhaps what's most important. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left. Amen. That was our good friends, uh, Jason Tripp and Adam Klein, discussing the movie that we've been watching this week. Kubo and the two strings. Now, Jared, 
I confess, I had, didn't watch this movie either. So apparently, I'm not participating You're in for three, movies for, for lunch. Three. <laughs> but I will tell you a very fun fact about the movie that this movie is only the second uh, stop motion animation film ever to be nominated for an Academy Award, second only to The Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm. Also, well, a movie Tim Burton loves. I that. did not. Um, I did not watch. So I think we are really running a theme that I apparently never watch movies. So yeah, yeah, you've given up movies for Lent, it appears. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. Well, here is something that you probably can relate to, even if you didn't watch movie, which is that that we were relating the theme of this movie to the Transfiguration, mm. and uh, we were focusing specifically on Luke nine twenty eight to thirty six, and. I think that uh, this was, uh, I would say it was loosely connected to the transfiguration. Um, you know, there was some discussion last night that this might've been a better conversation for our discussions around mortality. Hmm. Um, all these movies, they've, there's, they've got lots going on. You were telling me uh, before this, that this movie got 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. So that's a, that's a pretty high score. That is a high score. That's a lot of tomatoes. It's a lot of tomatoes. So I would encourage folks to watch this, do some reflecting on this uh, incredible moment uh, in the Gospels, the, the transfiguration of Jesus, the, the revelation of who he is and uh, the cosmic Christ revealing itself, revealing himself. I shouldn't, should say himself. I think you will, you'll enjoy the visuals at the very least. It's a pretty all-star cast, lots of famous folks. And uh, I, I can tell you just from the discussion last night that people people really, really resonated with this film. So check it out with your kids. If you want um, to engage, if you're, if you're using our podcast as sort of the intro to this movie and, and to your discussions, here are the discussion questions for week three. Number one. After viewing Kubo and the Two Strings, what thoughts and impressions lingered as the credits rolled and beyond? Why? From a cinematic perspective, what did you enjoy about the film? What worked for you? What didn't? Kubo and the Two Strings presents an authentic oral custom for Japanese culture. From a storytelling perspective, how does this relate to our understanding and interpretation of scripture? In our lectionary passage, Jesus is transfigured and stands alongside Moses and Elijah. From the perspective of the disciples, Peter, John, and James, what connections could they have made with their own religious upbringing? So those are the small group questions and uh, encourage you to, to pick it up. Also encourage you to, to hang out with us on a Wednesday night. Um, I find the, the conversations uh, so clarifying. It's clear I don't pick up everything that's happening in a movie. And so uh, just even having that experience deepened my appreciation for, for what I had, I had just seen. So Al, we got lots going on in the New Leaf Network these days. If people want to get involved, not just in this Movies for Lent conversation, but all the other stuff we got going on, what, what do they do, Al? 
Well, the best place to go check us out is our website. So newleafnetwork.ca. You can also follow us on all the social medias. We're there and not on TikTok. We're not that brave, but Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. But something I want to make mention of that we're really excited about, we are having um, a New Leaf launch party Wednesday, March 23rd. So that's coming up next week. 8 p.m. Eastern. You know, we're all grown up. We, after a lot of work and some time, we received our own official uh, charitable status. And so we've launched out from the FMCIC world onto our own. And we want to celebrate with all of you because really uh, each of you has shared in shaping this community of innovative Jesus followers across Canada. And we'd love nothing more than to hang out and celebrate what we've all built together. So uh, you can check uh, that out on the website, newleafnetwork.ca slash events slash launch party. But if you just hit the events page, that will come up. So please do come and hang out with us, grab a sparkly beverage and celebrate. Of course, we want to keep letting you know about the table that is happening May 27th, 28th in Hamilton at McMaster Divinity College. It's going to be a hybrid, so online and in person. But if you can make it to be there in person, I promise you'll have a good time. And if you can only be online, we promise that we will curate that uh, to be an enjoyable experience as well. You know, we're really excited about some of the speakers that are coming. We promise this is going to be not an exhaustive time. We really, we know a lot of people are feeling the heaviness and the weight of the current cultural moment that we find ourselves in coming out of the pandemic. Um, dealing with some of the things that we've been dealing with in ministry or or as Jesus mm -hmm. followers in general. So we really want to create a place for personal and communal practices that will that will center us on Jesus, that will bring us together and give sustenance to, honestly, our weary souls and bodies. So uh, we're going to focus on soul care and spiritual awakening and some creative renewal. So a little bit different than what we normally do, but I think if we were ever going to take some time to have a bit more of an experience together, uh, this seems to be it. And we'll also, of course, have a good party because goodness me, it has been too long since we have all been together. So check that out, newleafnetwork.ca slash the table. We would love to have you there. All right, friends, that's it from us for today. We'll see you next week. Bye, Bye friends. Bye.